Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. But I want to call this Unlocking Heaven. Unlocking Heaven. Now today, specifically, I want to speak about prayers that unlock heaven. Prayers that unlock heaven. How can you, with praying, just your prayers, how can you unlock heaven in every circumstance and situation in your life? How can you do that? It's very important. Now, I believe... No... No... Naomi, I've probably, you, you've heard me say this, and, and it's, it's almost a topic and a theme in my life that I'm gunning and I'm driving towards this thing that says that, that, that you know, we have heard all the sermons and all the theology of, about the miracles, but we are in a season where people need to experience. They need to experience it. I can hear the theology and everything about sermon and miracles and goodness of God, but now is the time that I need to experience God's presence, His goodness, His miracles in my life. That is where we are. Now, if you are a believer, that Christ is in you. That's what we believe. Christ is in you. Basic as that. He lives in us. Amen? But if we, if we truly know the heart of God, if we truly know the heart of God, we would realize that Christ, the Christ who lives in us, wants to live through you. It's a very important principle in our lives. He lives in us. Yes, we know that. Every, most Christians will say, yes, I, I believe that. But do you know that He wants to live through you? You see, it's something we can't get past. If you get that, your life will change. See, Jesus wants to get out of the box. Because some Christians box Jesus. He's in me. It's just me and him. I open my Bible. I have devotion. I come to church. It's so amazing. It's so... But God wants to do something through your life. He wants out of the box. See, he wants, to, he wants to reveal this extraordinary through the ordinary people. And that's you and me. He wants to reveal that. You or me might be the only representation of Jesus that some people will ever see. If I'm talking about representation, I'm talking about represent Him. You see, the, 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 the earth, the world, has, has represented Jesus in a way that people have rejected Jesus because of the way they represented Him. We need to, as Christians, as believers, need to step up and say, let's represent Him. Let's represent Him. Let me just get this buzz out. Um, let's represent him to a world around us where people come and say, hey, well, that's not the Jesus I actually got to know. I like this one. Come on. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Let's hope this works. No, it's not going to work. I'm going to walk, walk up and down this morning. So 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, thank you, Stephen. You can listen from there. Just press, just press down. <laughs> it says, We are ambassadors of the Anointed One who carries the message of Christ to the world as though, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Passion translation. I love that translation. Isn't that amazing? We are the Anointed. We are the ambassadors who carries the message of Christ to the world and, and through God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. Isn't that amazing? Such a beautiful translation. See, we need to realize that all of us are the voice of heaven on earth. All of us. Every one of you are the voice of heaven on earth. The voice of heaven in your business, in your family, in your friends, in your neighbors. Wherever you go, you are the voice of heaven. And guess what? 
you are empowered by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> that means that you have all authority to speak. Although you don't feel like it, that is who it is. You see, God loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things for Him. You see, Jesus didn't look at John, the disciple who loved Jesus, and say, Oh, John, you're the shy one. Come and lay on my shoulder. You don't have to go out. I'll send Peter. He's the bold one. He can go out, do the miracles. No. No, no, no. He wants to do, he wanted to do good, great, amazing things to all his disciples. That means to every one of us in this life today, no matter if you're shy, insecure, where you are, if you can't speak to people or not, he wants to use you to work through. Isn't that amazing? I remember when I was, um, um, when I was still in Potchefstroom, I had a bunch of students in a class, and we did this Bible school class. Um, and, uh, and as I was teaching this class, it was just 25 minutes, there was a girl who stood up at the, in the middle, and she walked to the back, and she stood at the back. I, maybe I've told this testimony before. And she just did this with her back all the time, and she stood there like this. And I thought, man, she must have back issues. I'll pray for her when I get done. I love praying for back, back problems, you know. And uh, my spiritual mentor, he does the first thing he taught me and showed me how to pray for people's backs and how one leg grew. And I, I loved it. I want to do that every time I see a, a back that's hurting. I want to do that. So I saw her and I was like, man, I need to get the session done. I want to pray for her. And, uh, and when the session was done, I said, you can go and have coffee. We've got a 20-minute break. I immediately walked to her and said, hey, hey, come here. Can I pray with you quickly? And I see she walked with a bit of a limp and I thought, man, there must be something wrong. I'm going to pray. God's going to heal that back. And she said, um, okay, sure, you can pray for me. And I thought, that's weird. I mean, aren't you happy? I want to pray for you. And she sat down, she pulled up her pants, and she had a built-up shoe was about this much. And her one leg was eight centimeters shorter than the other one. Ended up, and she started speaking, said, oh, she was in an accident when she was two years old, and the one leg they had to grind off, and it was bad stuff. And I just stopped and said, whoa, 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 I want to get my faith um, just <laughs> killed here before I get started. Let's just pray. So I said, take off your shoe, and I took the toe. She sat down and I took the two feet, and it was literally like this. It's like, oh, my goodness. I've never seen one leg as shorter than the other one as this one. So I just said, well, well, Jesus, you got me to pray anyway, so let's start praying. So I started praying, and that leg started growing literally out. God had started doing a recreative miracle in that moment. And as I was praying, and I was just enjoying and laughing, and she started crying and yelling, and never knowing that people have prayed for years and years and years, and nothing has happened. And here me, bold, knowing nothing, just come pray. And something starts happening. And I thought it's amazing. And her friends around her freak out because they've been praying for everybody has been praying for and her legs grow out literally to about two millimeters from the other one and she started running up and down and she was so excited she didn't walk with a with a limp anymore she didn't know what to do she didn't have shoes to wear because the one was built up eight centimeters <laughs> and so so after the session she said listen excuse me i'm going to miss the next session um, i said okay so i just want to go and get some um, shoes i thought she's going home she went to the mall to go and buy boots because all her life she wanted to wear boots. She never could do that because nobody could build up boots again. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Wow. You see, we are called to release God's kingdom here on earth. It's not about, oh, Henny, but you're the pastor. You, I mean, you've got faith. Absolutely not. You see, each one of us has been placed in a sphere of influence and in which we have been given a responsibility 
to release the kingdom. I'm not saying you need to play pastor and shout at the street corner and bubble bash people. I'm just saying show the love of Jesus. Be who God called you to be. Be the lovable, joyable, fun-loving, maybe quiet one shining more of Jesus into other lives. You see, through that saying, Lord, I'm the voice of heaven on earth. And I'm going to sit here quiet and you're still going to speak through me. (laughs) That's how confident I feel. Because that's the impact God can have through your life. See, it doesn't matter what you might or might not be going through. Right now at this moment, we have been called to make an impact. You have been called to make an impact in your life. Wherever you are, maybe it's a practical impact. Maybe it's a natural impact. Maybe it's a supernatural impact that God is calling you to do. See, some of us are more practical than others. But through that practical, doing what you're doing, the natural way you are, God, doing super, God can do supernatural stuff through your life. See, whenever Jesus went, whenever, wherever he went, he did the following two things. He preached the good news, and then he demonstrated the kingdom. Yeah. I love that. I love, 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 love that. Because we can preach the good news. That's why I said the church has been preaching the good news, preaching theology, doing this. But how much have the church stopped to demonstrate the kingdom? So we need to demonstrate the kingdom wherever we go. And I can tell you testimony about testimony. I think I've, I've thought about it the other day. Man, I'm, my, my oldest testimony is getting old. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get wake up and, and trust God for some new testimonies of His goodness. Now, Jesus, He demonstrated the kingdom. Matthew 4, 23, just press on. Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. And, and... And he healed every kind of disease and illness. But Henny, I might wait, Henny, this is Jesus, man. How can you say that? This is Jesus. Yes, I know. But this is in verse 23. If you go to verse 19, you will see how Jesus called the, the disciples as fishers as men. Come and I'll make you a fisher of men. What did Jesus say? He said, come and I will train you how to release the kingdom. I will train you. Jesus knew they couldn't do that. They would be like, how can, you, how can you ever think I can do what you do? No, Jesus said, come, I'll train you. I will show you. See, Jesus wanted his disciples to realize that they were called to the same lifestyle as he was. The same as today. Jesus wants us to realize that we are called to the same spiritual lifestyle as he was. I'm not saying go and wear the biblical clothing and eat flattened breads. And I'm not saying that. We were called to the same spiritual lifestyle as Jesus. See, Jesus was training his disciples to be world changers who would do the same thing that he was modeling to them. Now, I don't know about you, but (laughs) if I were a disciple, come on. If I were a disciple, I would struggle with the thought of following in Jesus' footsteps. Say, come on, make you a fish of men. You'll follow in my footsteps. After the first miracle, it's like, oh, goodness, help me. (laughs) Raising the dead... Death here, uh, blind eyes open. How am I, gonna? I thought, in the inner self, I thought, oh my goodness, what have I got myself into? This is a bit of a toughie. See, they probably wondered, how am I going to be able to release the kingdom as Jesus is doing it? I'm, I'm just a normal fisherman. How can I do this? See, I think all these feelings of inadequacy led to their request in Matthew 6 that we spoke about last week. said, okay, wait, Jesus, you need to teach us how to pray. You need to teach us how to pray. Now, as I said last week, that moment in Matthew 6 was probably the only one in the Gospels where the disciples specifically asked Jesus to teach them something. 
They saw a bunch of stuff, but they could have asked him to teach them to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, do all these things. But what did they choose? Well, well, Jesus, teach us rather how to pray. Teach us how to pray. See, the disciples never saw such frequency of miracles that they saw with Jesus. And the disciples knew by experience when Jesus prayed, amazing things happened. And I would probably think, Jesus, when you pray, amazing things happen. You need to teach me how to pray. I need that formula. I need that thing. See, these disciples were probably used to not getting their prayers answered until they met Jesus. And they realized, well, wait, wait. He prays and God answers. You need to teach me how to pray. Are you with me? See, it was in that context of them feeling inadequate that Jesus started training his disciples. Have you ever feel, felt inadequate in your relationship with God? Come on, let's just be honest here this morning. It was in that context. It was in that context of them watching him perform miracles, then feeling inadequate to mirror that. See, Jesus taught them from that feeling of, Jesus, I can't do that. That feeling. You know that feeling? <laughs> it's, ah, man, I can't do that. So the first time I went golfing, and I went with a friend who's like a pro golfer, and I was young, I was like, and he hit that ball straight down the field. I mean, it was the most beautiful thing. And I took this club, and I thought, he was looking at me, I was looking at him. I had that feeling, it's like, man, I can't do that. <laughs> We all have felt exactly like that in our lives. How many of us have felt exactly like that when we run into impossibilities in your life? Mm, I can't do that. I can't do that. Now, there's a few different types of prayer, but I don't want to go into that today. But what I want to look at was, was, was what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples in that moment. In that moment of Matthew 6. Let's look at it quickly. Matthew 6. Then, this then is how you should pray. We all know the scriptures. We've, we've quoted this thing. But let's read it again. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then a very important one. As earth, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. We all know the scripture. I mean, everybody is quoting. Everybody is preaching about it. But what was Jesus teaching them in this moment? That he was teaching them how to influence heaven to come to earth. How to unlock heaven in every situation in their lives. He said, listen man, you're gonna, I want to build my whole prayer. This is how you pray. I want to teach you how to bring heaven to earth. How to unlock heaven in every situation in your lives and in your prayer life and in whatever. Let me teach this to you. And then you will understand the power of prayer. You see, petitioning prayer to God is to change something or to move something where man cannot move it. Something I cannot do. I can't heal something, but I can pray, and I can petition to God to bring heaven to earth and do a miracle. That's what I can do. See, it is asking God for a miracle breakthrough where there is no hope. No hope. It is prayer causing heaven to invade earth where the kingdom comes into a situation. We need the kingdom to come and invade a situation in our lives. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples to move heaven to meet their daily need. He said, give us today our daily bread, our daily need. Let heaven comes to earth in my daily need. May I get my daily bread. 
He was instructing them to influence heaven, to bring relational reconciliation by saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He brought that right into relational reconciliation moments in his life, how to bring heaven to earth. And he was teaching them bring, to bring heaven to earth, to overcome the power of the evil one. This says, deliver us from the evil one. You see, from heaven to earth was the context of everything. How to unlock heaven in your life. So, now if we look at all the religions in the world, all the religions, there's a lot of thousands and thousands of religions in the world, we'll see that all of them attempt to influence their God or gods. Why? Because they want their God or gods to intervene in their lives. Does it make sense? They're praying for power and distant provision and all these things. Now, for instance, let me give you an example. In India, um, there's a city where, where in a span of two weeks, 30 million men comes to do a pilgrimage in that city. Now, this is how the pilgrimage works. There is six rocks on top of a mountain that they believe have mystical powers to bless. So what the men do is they crawl up the mountain on their stomachs, cutting themselves crawling up, shouting weird mantras as they were crawling up this mountain. 30 million of them for, for six stones to give them power and to bless them. Now they do this year after year after year. <laughs> See, that's the definition of insanity right there. You know what that is? It's doing the same failing thing over and over expecting different results. We all know that definition. Let's just do it again and again and again. And that's in this context that Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 7. He said this. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now this scripture was very offensive to the Jews. I'm going to explain to you why. See, if we think about what Jesus said here, he said the following. He said that effective prayer for the pagans is to pray a lot of words, or the right words, the right words, for a long time. That's what he said. But he basically also said that prayers based on length and repetition is not the key to release the kingdom. It's not the key. That's what Jesus said. But this was super offensive to the Jewish leaders, this, the, the religious leaders. This was super offensive. Why? Because the Jewish leaders instituted several prayers of blessing that they believed that will influence God. It was, it was part of their law and religion. See, these prayers had to be memorized and spoken with perfect accuracy in order to be very effective. That's it. If, see, it was the Jewish leader's formula to bring or to move heaven to earth. It was their formula. <laughs> now, let me give you an example. For example, they had the Shema. The Shema, you get into Deuteronomy 6. You go there, it's not on there. But it says, you had to, be, you had to quote the Shema, and they, the boys learned it from this age. Learn how to pray the Shema. They, they had to be quoted out loud, out loud two times a day to ensure what? God's blessing. So if you want God's blessing, you need to quote the Shema twice a day, loud, correct. Then they had the, the Amidah. The Amidah was the prayer of 18 blessings. If you know the Jewish culture, I, I don't know that well. I'm, I just read about it, and I wanted to speak about it. it was the, the prayer of 18 blessings. Now, this prayer had to be quoted word for word. 
word for word, once a day, and it was a prayer containing seven pages. Seven pages long, A4 pages, if you compile it. You had to quote it word for word. If you made a mistake, go back to the beginning. It's like snakes and ladders. Then they had the Kaddish. The Kaddish was, a, 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 there was various forms of the Kaddish, which were, they were written, this prayers were written, if they, if they recited these things properly, it would release specific blessings over them. Now there was a lot of Kaddish prayers, the Sabbath Kaddish, the Passover Kaddish, the wedding Kaddish, the funeral Kaddish, I can mention a few. See the point that Jesus was making here to his disciples, which, which grew up as Jewish boys, Growing up to, they learned the Shema, the Kaddish, the Amidah. That's what they did. They went to school. They had to learn. They recited word for word for word for word. Performance, religion, just as you can get it. And the point what Jesus wanted to make to his disciples was the following. He says, that kind of prayer that influenced, the kind of prayer that influenced God is not about whipping up the right words. It's not about the right formula, the right techniques. He said that living a natural, supernatural life, releasing God's kingdom, moving heaven to earth, only comes as a result of a dynamic, intimate relationship with God. That's all. That's what Jesus wanted to teach them. He said, you can do all these, because they were used to it. Okay, but Jesus, teach us how to pray. Because we know that, that all these prayers that we need to not, we're not allowed to make mistakes, and we need to pray it for blessing. But the way you pray, the way you pray, and then miracles happen. You're not doing the Shema. What, what, why are you not doing that? You see, they, Jesus wanted them to learn that, hey, it's not about the right words. It's not about the formula. It's not about it. It's about your relationship. It's about your relationship with me. My, see, that's why the, the, the disciples wanted the formula. Said, wait, wait, Jesus, you've, you're using a formula that I don't know. I want that formula. If you can just teach us this formula, teach us how to pray, then if we pray that, we will see all these miracles. Jesus said, oh, sorry, it's not about that. It's about your intimate, personal, deep relationship with the Father. And that's why I said last week, that every time the disciples looked, they saw Jesus praying on his own, there, early in the morning. Why? They saw that he looked, he sought out the relationship with the Father that, is, that was the true essence, the true essence of the power of Jesus. You see, so many so, so Christians through the years have, have lost that perspective of the power of the relationship with the Father. Come on, we've sometimes lost that perspective of it, the power of our relationship with the Father. And there's so many believers today that will do anything to get their hands on a prayer formula that can move heaven to earth. I believe, I promise you, if I wrote a book today and I would say, the formula of healing prayer, man, I would be a top seller. Because people just want that formula. If I pray A, B, C, I mean, every time um, I, I tell, I've told testimonies to students about what God has done. Um, I remember the testimony of the, my friend who, who took a mountain bike jump in front of me. We were mountain biking and he fell and he was busy dying in my arms. And people, the first question as I'm telling the testimony, people ask, like, what did you pray in that moment, guys dying in your arms. I said, I can't remember, man. I just said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> there was no formula. People looking for formulas in life. When Jesus said, to pray is not a formula, it's a relationship. It's a relational connect. The only prerequisite was and still is today an intimate relationship with the Father. That's what God wants. Now, 
If I can use a great example to, finish my, to, to end and finish my sermon today, I want to use the example of Moses. And Moses was a great example of a guy who lost his perspective. He totally lost it in two moments. Now let's read it together. Exodus 17, verse 1 to 2. It says, At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin. Of sin. That's a good, good wilderness to leave. Eh? To left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So one, once more the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink. They demanded. The next one. Then verse 4. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Man, I think he was hectically scared. The people wanted to kill him. Have you ever seen people that's really thirsty in the desert? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. Next one. I will stand before you. Just as, how amazing is that? I, God, he's talking to us. I will stand before you on the rock at, the Mount, at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and the water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Now this is amazing. This is an amazing story, amazing miracle. Now what, when God called Moses, he gave him a staff. The staff. I, like this, I mean, it's a beautiful sermon. I've preached about the staff of Moses and how much it's amazing. And, but God gave him a staff as a symbol of God's authority. Remember that? Throw the staff on the ground became a snake. And it was a symbol of God's authority walking into Egypt. And it was a symbol that God was with him. So people knew that Moses with the staff that did the miracles. See, it was the staff that hit the Nile and, and the river went open. It hit the Red Sea. and the, I mean, it was incredible. But it was also the tool to bring heaven to earth for, for, for Moses. Why? Because it was part of every miracle that, that God did through Moses' life. Most of the miracles. Now, when Israel, when, when Israel came to Rephidim, a place with no water, man, the people got upset and angry. I've got some friends when they get hungry. Man, you don't, don't bother them, man. Eh? They will bite you. <laughs> well, some of my friends really get thirsty. It's like when you get thirsty, you get cranky. Now these people was like millions of people, two, two plus million people getting thirsty. I mean, thinking about that, coming to one man, everybody shouting, yelling, you should have went this and that. And Moses just running to God, falling at his face, said, Lord, I need you. So Moses cried out to Lord, fearing for his life, and God said, hey Amen. just take that, that, that staff of authority, I will stand before you, isn't that amazing, on the rock, just hit the rock, and water will come out. It's incredible. So Moses did it, mighty miracle. Man, awesome miracle. Now, <laughs> it would have been lovely to have a staff like that, don't you think? Just a staff, I have a staff like that, I mean, I'll hit the rock here and water there, I'll hit the Yester River and I'll walk through, it's lacquer, man, go to the beach, I don't want to swim, I just want to walk at the way, high tide becomes low tide, it's amazing. But see, the staff was the main recipe of the formula. It was the main recipe of the formula and God wanted to upgrade Moses. 
So let's fast forward to Numbers. Numbers 20 verse 1. The whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin. Not Sin anymore, now Zin. There was no water for the people to drink again at the place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Next verse. Now we go to verse 8, oh, verse 5. So when you make us, so now the people come to, to Moses again and say, why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place, this land with no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, no water to drink? So Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell down face down on the ground. Next verse. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the, take the staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch. As the people watch. Then he said, Speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. <laughs> now, um, where am I? Yeah. Speak to the rock. And we'll pour out the rock. There's one more. Yeah. Then Moses raised his hand, struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank and filled. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I'm giving you. Now this is tough. Big story. Here we go again. Later on in the journey, Israelites came to the desert of Zin, and guess what? Same thing. Same story. So Moses, who's seen this movie before, he took Aaron and they fell at God's face in the, in the tabernacle, in his presence. So God came to him and said, hey, okay, Moses, don't worry. You've seen a miracle. I want you to take your staff, but this time, don't strike the rock. Speak to it. Speak to the rock. Then Moses comes there, people there, everybody. And I think Moses doubts. He doubts and he hits the rock with the, with the staff and nothing happens. And he thought, oh, heck, let's hit it again. And he hit it again and then suddenly water came out and God says, because of your faithfulness to me, I was still faithful to you. But because of your obedience, disobedience, you will not see the promised land. You will not see, see the promised land. Now, can I be honest with you? I thought, what? <laughs> Why didn't Moses do what God said? You see, Moses didn't, didn't listen. He didn't sense God speak to him and think, yeah, oh, maybe God says this. He didn't say, God spoke to him verbally in the presence. Why didn't he just be obedient? You see, Moses came to rely on his rod of religion more than on his relationship with God. He, the rod of religion... The formula that he used, he doubted and went back to the formula instead of listening to God's voice. Listening to God's voice in that moment. See, he trusted the proven formula and technique rather than the now word that God had for him. The now word. You see, as Christians, we must be careful not to let our breakthroughs of yesterday become our religious formulas of today. If it ever happened to you? Amen. A lot of times. I remember when I was leading a church in Poch, and, and, and almost done, almost done. And um, the, the, I, we, have, we had really good friends. We really worked hard building a relationship with the, the NG, the Doppers, all the, all the ministers around our um, student congregations. And, and one day the, the NG minister called me and said, listen, I've got a bunch of students going out for a mission, and they're going to trust God for healings. And that, but you guys, man, can you come and train my students? 
I want to sit in. And it was quite a humbling moment for me. Man, I was excited. I said, yes, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you. God, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to. I mean, I was so bold and, and, and vindgat at that stage. So I want to tell them everything. So I went into that class, 50 students, English students. And, and I was really trusting God for them to show them a miracle that something changed in their lives. And I was preaking and I said, listen, I mean, there's, there's something that God has really given me. I've got faithful backs to be healed and legs to grow. Who's got a sore back? And it was a big rugby guy at the back. Big. Now, I was, I was the, the, the spiritual dean of, the, of, the, of all the rugby guys in the rezes. <laughs> and so what I did, I love the rugby guys. And God did a lot of miracles to the rugby guys. He said, man, just come forward. Bring, bring your chair. Bring your chair. Put his chair in front and say, okay, everybody comes. And look what God does. <laughs> It's like, okay, Lord Jesus, please come through in this moment. So he took out of his shoes and I had his legs up and one leg was like this longer than the other leg. I said, yeah, see, I'm, I'm going to pray now and that one leg grow and the other one. I mean, I've done this. This was a couple of weeks after I saw the lady's leg grew eight centimeters, like a re, re, a constructive miracle. So I sat there and I prayed and nothing happened. And I thought, I thought, okay, let's pray again. After the fourth time, nothing has happened. Man, I walked out of there, I felt so stupid. But God said to me, Henny, it's because you came with a formula. You needed to teach them a relationship with me. You needed to teach them a love relationship that connects them to me. So in that connection, there's miracles. See, I came with a staff like Moses, and I wanted to hit that rock because I've hit the rock. A couple of weeks earlier, man, I've just... And God just said, have you listened to me? This is what he said. Have you actually prayed and listened to what I wanted to do? I said, um, 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 no, Lord. You see, sometimes we want to bring our religious staffs into a place where God wants to do a relational miracle, relational thing. See, just like Moses, we have the authority to release the kingdom, but we don't need a staff to prove it. Guess what we have? We've got Jesus. We've got the blood of Jesus. Jesus wanted to upgrade Moses from a place where he had a religious formula. He wanted to hit the rock to say, Moses, I want to upgrade you to a place where I want, to, want you to see my authority work through a different avenue. Just speak and people will see. Why did God do that? And it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a sermon for other day, but I think there was somewhat doubt in Abram's mind. Because Abram was there when the ten spies came back and said, we don't want to go back. We don't want to go into the promised land. And he okayed it and went into the desert with him. There was still doubt in his heart. And God wanted to bring that doubt to a stop and said, I want you to trust me when you speak that people will see the authority. You see, it's super important for us to always remember that the authority to release the kingdom to bring heaven to earth only comes through an intimate relationship with the Father. And that intimate relationship you build when you pray, when you speak to God. You remember when I said last week, prayer is not a formula, it's, not an, it's just a commune with God. It's a commune with Him. You see, there was never it, it never, it never comes through performance, it never comes through formula, it never comes through techniques or any form of religious things. It comes through relationships comes through a relationship that connects to the Father's heart. That's what Jesus wanted the disciples to see. I want you to have a relationship with the Father. And from that relationship, you pray. I mean, then when you pray from that relationship, there's no formula, there's no nothing. There is 
just a relationship with the Father that says that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You see, Jesus wanted his disciples and us today to always know that. The secret to doing great works here on earth, that's the secret, is this, that Jesus always, so, so, sorry, let, let me rephrase. The secret to doing greater works here on earth, always thought about that? How can we do greater works than Jesus? How can we do? See, Jesus knew it, but he knew it will only come through a relationship with the Father. Not through religious shimas and Kedisha and Ameda and all these stuff that you... He wanted them to know that it comes. That greater works you will see through that relationship with the Father. Not through doing the right stuff, performing the right things, but through relationship with the Father. See, our prayer, no matter how big or small, wise and immature, insecure or secure, if it flows from a love relationship with the Father, man, it, it unlocks heaven. It unlocks heaven. No, the most powerful prayers in my life that I've done was at the moment that I didn't know what to pray for. That's when baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I can just speak in tongues, <laughs> it's the best for me. Because I don't know what to pray. But in that moment when somebody was dying in my arms, I would just say, thank you, Jesus, for like five minutes. Suddenly someone rose from the dead. But I didn't say, get up in Jesus' name. I didn't say that. <laughs> I just said, thank you, Jesus. I didn't know what to do. I was shaking. Kids were yelling and screaming, calling 911 in South Africa. They didn't know what to do. And suddenly God just did a miracle. Not because of what I prayed or what miracle words and formulas and stuff. Man, I, I just said, Jesus, I need you in this moment. I need you. And there's some of you facing stuff in your life. You need miracles. You need God to divinely move in your life. You need heaven to come to earth. You need the kingdom being released in your life. And I want to encourage you today that it is through the relationship with the Father that you already have. You just need to release that. Just release that. So I sit with the Father in moments and said, Father, man, I don't have the words today. I don't even know what to pray. I don't know how to even pronounce what I want to say. But you know, Father. We just come and handle this. Just deal with this. And I can't, can't tell you the intimate moments that I had with the Lord just being just, just real. Just real with the Father. Just sharing my heart with Him out of that place. That's what Jesus did every morning early when the disciples were just snoring away. He was just going away and just in connecting with the Father. Because He knew the more of the Father He could get in this earthly body, the more He could release. Does it, does it fall into someone's heart this morning? I want to invite you to stand with me and I want to pray with us. And this, this, this is a bit of a half-shared half message because I want to continue next week. And next week's sermon topic is, Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? If you, if you want to join us for Father's Day next week, I'm going to continue this and end with this next week. And, but I want to leave this with you this morning, that if you come from a moment of relationship with a father, heaven will move. Situations will shift. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are the king of the universe. You are the king who, who have given us everything through your son. I want to 
want to thank you for that this morning, Father. Lord, I, I know and you know that there's so many needs in this room today, Lord. There's so many, so many mountains that need to be moved in our friends' lives, families' lives, in our own lives. And Father, I thank you this, this morning that through your love, that we might see more and more and more of miracle upon miracle of heaven coming to earth in every circumstance. Father, I thank you that every disease that we face, that we can release your kingdom. Every impossibility we walk into, that we will see your goodness and your grace and your power being released just through the, the, the love relationship that we have with you, Father. So, Father, come and change our thinking, change our perspective, change the way we think we need to pray and connect that to our relationship with you, Father. And, Father, I want to... I wanna, I want to release people of guilt this morning of not praying of not praying anymore of feeling guilty that they don't pray enough that they do this they don't pray for the sick do this but I want to release them from that guilt this morning and I want to connect them with your relationship with the relationship with you this morning Father may there be a deepening in their connection with you just that deepening Father may there be something deeper this week as they just open their hearts to you. If you're here this morning, I want to just pray for you as your eyes are closed. Just put your hand on your hearts if you need that deeper moment with the Father. If you've got that, that need to say, Father, I want that deeper moment with you. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of just playing Christian, I want to experience more of you, Father. Father, you see every heart here this morning. And I pray for a deeper moment in their hearts as they, as they encounter you, as they seek for you, as they run after, as they encounter impossibilities. Father, may they see the impossibility change to the possible through you. And Lord, I pray for boldness and faith to start trusting you for bigger things. Just a boldness in that, Father. And as we come together as community and faith together, put our faith together and agree together as your word says, Lord, may there be miracle upon miracle in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.